Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Well, good morning, everyone, and uh, welcome uh, to Rogers Place here in the heart of Ice District. My name is Tim Shipton, uh, Senior Vice President with Oilers Entertainment Group, and uh, I will be your MC today. Uh, it's certainly been an exciting uh, few weeks for the organization, certainly an exciting uh, day today, and uh, want to welcome uh, Oilers fans from across oil country who are tuning in. It's been a very busy time, of course, uh, since May 7th when we introduced uh, Ken Holland as our President of Hockey Operations and GM. And uh, got some news to announce today, so uh, we're going to hear from our speakers, uh, followed by some questions, and then uh, time for one-on-ones. So without further ado, uh, I'm going to turn the mic over to Ken. Good morning. Uh, Thank you all for coming out today. Uh, I'm here today to introduce the next head coach of the Edmonton Oilers, Dave Tippett. I started the search three weeks ago, uh, today actually, when I was named the general manager of the uh, Edmonton Oilers. Um, the first thing that I did was reach out to Ken Hitchcock. Um, you're all familiar with Ken, obviously. He's been a coach in the National Hockey League a long, long time. And I asked Ken to assist me in going through the process uh, in naming uh, the next head coach of the Edmonton Oilers. So I want to thank Ken for, um, for being involved and helping me out in this process. Um, basically, I put together a list of about 15 to 17 candidates. Um, there was three or four that had never coached before. Most of them had had history, uh, experience of being an NHL head coach. And then over the next, the last three weeks, um, basically Ken and I uh, worked the phones a lot. We talked a lot of, uh, I talked to a lot of managers. Uh, I know Ken talked to a lot of coaches, assistant coaches, um, people that were uh, that were on uh, Dave's staff and and uh, people around the league in, in trying to work our way through the list. Uh, Dave was always uh, the leading candidate in my mind um, going through the process, but I wanted to make sure that uh, as I worked away towards making a decision that I felt comfortable that, uh, that uh, we were hiring the best man possible, and I, and I, I feel very good about that uh, uh, today. D- uh, along the way, Dave and I, uh, uh, after I left here on the Tuesday, uh, I flew to San Diego to go watch Bakersfield play. Dave and I met for four or five hours in San Diego. Um, and then last week we met again for four or five hours uh, um, in Western in Western Canada. And I think as I've gone, you know, I talked to some players that had played for Dave in the past in Houston and also in 
in uh, in the National Hockey League, and I think that uh, the the I think the reasons why we're here today. Uh, I'm big on experience. Uh, Dave has coached in the National Hockey League for over a thousand uh, uh, games behind the bench. I believe uh, when you're in the National Hockey League, there's always uh, some choppy waters, and certainly having somebody behind the bench that's uh, been through those before, um, it's it's a positive. Um, his teams, Dave's teams, play with structure. Uh, he holds his players accountable, and he's uh, a good communicator. And I think that uh, those are real important ingredients in uh, in being a head coach uh, in the National Hockey League uh, today. So I look forward uh, in working with uh, Dave to build the Oilers into an elite team. And it's my great pleasure to announce Dave as the 16th head coach in Edmonton Oilers history. Thank you very much, Ken. Uh, an honor for me to be here today. Um, took a while to track Ken down. He's a busy guy these days. It's, it's <laughs> all over the place. But um, first of all, I want to thank Daryl Cates uh, for the opportunity with the Oilers here. Um, Bob Nicholson, obviously Ken Holland. Um, just an exciting time. I've been uh, in pro hockey a long time as a player and as a coach. Uh, I haven't had the good fortune of coaching in Canada or playing in Canada and that was very intriguing to me it was funny last night talking to my mom who lives out uh, uh, on Vancouver Island I don't think I've ever heard her so enthused about a job that I've taken in my life is coming back to coach in Canada so uh, a real real exciting time for uh, for me and my family um, I come to a team here that obviously has good pieces lots of upside and everybody talks about McDavid and Dreisaitl, there's more pieces here than McDavid and Dreisaitl. There's good players here to build on. And uh, I think there's lots of upside with this, with, this, uh, uh, with this organization. Ken and I have talked a little bit about, uh, you know, his, he's kind of given me his vision of where he wants to go. And we were very much in alignment with the pace of play we want to play at, how hard you have to compete. Uh, allowing players to make sure that they, they maximize their talents. Uh, like he talked about, structure is a big part of it. I, I think uh, being able to play with the puck as well as with the puck is a, is a big part of being successful in today's game. You look at the two teams competing in the finals right now, sound defensive teams, but players that allow their or teams that allow their players to flourish with the puck and those are all things that I see happening for this organization here so uh, I'm delighted to be here I'm thankful for the opportunity and uh, and well rested I've been out for a couple years it's time to get going yeah all right thanks uh, Ken and Dave we're going to open it up uh, to questions from the floor so we're going to start up front here with Bob hi Dave Bob Stauffer Oilers Radio nice Network you, uh the Oilers staff currently has two former NHL head coaches and a guy that was in the Memorial Cup uh, last year. Just a thought on, you know, the, the current assistance and where you're at in terms of the makeup of your staff. You know, what I've talked to Ken about is uh, I thought it was right that I talked to the, the coaches that are here first. So I haven't reached out to anybody about any, uh, any other jobs. I know all three guys. I know Gullick, Signani, and Vibros. I've all had relationships with them in the past. So uh, I want to talk to them first, see where they're at, and uh, go through the process with them. But uh, that, that's where it'll start. I haven't done anything about any other coaches. I felt it was fair to talk to those guys first. 
Thank you. Mark, go ahead. Hey, Mark Spector, Sportsnet. Yeah. Uh, your teams always had good records versus Edmonton, even when you were in Arizona and it didn't seem like you should, you beat this team fairly regularly. What are the things that allowed you to do that? And what are the, how will those elements be seen when you're coaching this team? Well, I, I don't know why it ended up. It ended up like that for a while. I don't know if it was a schedule or what it was, but, um, you know, there's a couple, there's a couple things I really believe in. One, no matter who you have on your team, the players you try to maximize the the individual talents of each of those players and that's a coach's responsibility whether you have a, a top superstar or a, a a role player or your backup goalie you try to try to maximize every individual and that's that's what i always feel like i try to bring to to our teams and with that when you're maximizing that you you see what an individual can do but then you try to put him in a position where he can really succeed. And that's where I feel like, especially some of the teams in Arizona where we, um, we weren't high on talent, we were high on character, higher on, on work ethic, but we really, we worked together well. And, uh, and we found ways to win a lot of hockey games. And, and that really, that's the third thing I believe in. Like you, you, you gotta find ways to win. There's days when maybe you're tired, there's days when maybe you top players are hurt I always tell the players there's never an excuse for not winning right if you don't win but give yourself the best chance to win you can and uh, and that's what I've always believed in I've got fortunate with a lot of wins sometimes when a lot of people would say we shouldn't have won but we did and coming to a team where you have players like McDavid and Dreisaitl hopefully I can find ways to use those guys as weapons to win also Thanks. Uh, Terry? Uh, Terry Jones, Edmonton Sun Journal. Uh, speaking of McDavid and Dreisaitl, <laughs> have you uh, any uh, preliminary idea of how, we, how you'd like to use them uh, together, separate centers, uh, that sort of thing? And the other thing is, is uh, I suspect mostly because of what you were surrounded with or had to use, uh, particularly in Phoenix, uh, uh, you've kind of got this uh, vision of being a, a defensive coach more than you are an offensive coach. Uh, but if I read right in what you were saying, uh, uh, you prefer to coach the team you've got and see where that takes you. Is that accurate? It is. Well, first of all, with, with, with uh, McDavid and Dreisaitl, I know Connor from working with him in the World Cup with Todd, so I know Connor a little bit. I don't know Dreisaitl uh, uh, personally, I've watched a lot of video of them together and apart. Uh, some of it, you know, I like seeing them together. It seems like they feed off each other. And I'll give you one example. When we were in the World Cup, uh, we'd gone into the World Cup. We had 13 forwards. Uh, Matthews was our 13th forward. And going into the World Cup, we had put together some lines and trying different people with McDavid. And we tried McKinnon, we tried Drewan, there was a lot. And finally we came down one day and said, you know what, let's try, let's try Matthews up there. And I, and I went to Austin, I said, you ever played any wing? And he goes, no, I'll do whatever I want, because he hadn't played pro yet, he hadn't played in the NHL. And so we weren't even sure if he was gonna make the team. And so then Matthews comes up and he put him on the wing and he was an unbelievable compliment. And if you guys remember those last couple games of that tournament, it was phenomenal the way they worked together. I see Dreisaitl a little bit in that same, same vein as Matthews, where real solid, great plays, 
uh, Connor can give and go with them, and then basically Drysaddle shoots when he gets a chance. You know, so that's one that that's something that sticks out in my mind. That being said, I'm not stuck on that. I want to see how the rest of the lineup, you know, by the time we get to training camp, uh, looks. Is uh, but you watch those two players play together, they certainly feed off each other. As far as the defensive coach. It's, uh, I laugh at that all the time because my first job in the NHL, I actually got from Doug Armstrong in Dallas because I was an offensive coach. <laughs> I was the assistant coach in LA and I ran the power play and we had a real good power play. And Doug hired me because he thought I could work more creativity and more offense. And in Dallas, we had some good offensive teams. And then I went to Arizona and we had to figure out how to win without those high-end scores so we figured out how to win in Arizona with character and grit so and good defense and good goaltending so I don't look at myself as a defensive coach or an offensive coach I look at myself as a coach that tries to find a way to win with the people that I have over here uh, Min go ahead Dave Mindariwal with CBC uh, I'm just wondering uh, with the fan base here in Edmonton a lot's been made of how uh, you know a lot of a lot of the fans have kind of uh, you know, turned away a bit from the team with all the changes that have happened in, in uh, previous years with different coaches and, and GMs. What, what's your message to them as far as what, what you're hoping to, to bring uh, to this team and how, how you hope to change that as well as you too can? Uh, that same question. I can just tell you that the excitement between Ken, what Ken brings and what I've had for this job is I think there's going to be a fun ride. And, I would, if I'm a fan out there thinking I'm going to step away, you might be disappointed. I, I think that there's lots of upside in this team, and, uh, and I, I'm, I'm excited to get going. Like, I, I feel that good about it here. I, I would just say that you know, it's up to us, uh, management, coaches, and the players to uh, get the fans excited. Um, you know, if we play hard on an every night basis and win our share of games and we're in a race for, uh, for a playoff spot, um, fans are going to be excited. It's up to us to make the fans excited. Thank you. Uh, Jason, uh, over here. Go ahead. Hi, Dave. Uh, congratulations. Jason Greger, TSN, 1260andordersnation.com. i got one for each of you. Uh, for you, Dave, just uh, you, in Arizona, I looked, you never really had high-octane offensive guys, as you alluded to. Um, what about moving from the back end? And in today's game, it seems if, if you can't move the puck up the ice, especially through the middle of the ice, you can't have success. So how do you coach that? You know, is it is it coaching? Is it is it the skill of your players? And then secondly, Ken, for you, do you see that same thing? And do you now build your team a lot with the input of what Dave wants as type of players? Uh, I'll just start. You can't play in this league without a five-man attack. And and it used to be all oh, get one defenseman up in the play. You need you need to play as five-man units all the time. And it, you talk about it's not just with the puck. If you watch four checks now, you get in the offensive zone. It's hard to four-check teams if you're just going to use three guys. Your D have got to be up on that too. So I'm a big believer. Defense have to be involved. Have to be outlets uh, coming out of your zone breakouts. I mean you need you need support. Uh, there's some teams that I. I won't mention them, but they do a real good job of, of breaking out of their own end just with short passes, real good support, support of D partners, but then they get up get up the ice. So whether it be without the puck, a forecheck in the offensive zone or getting up the ice, your D have to be involved. That's just that's the only way you can stay competitive in the league today. And I guess my answer would be, you know, 
Dave and I are going to be a team. You know, I worked with four coaches in Detroit, and you go to you go to work every day and you grind away. And and uh, it's it's I think it's my job as the general manager to provide a vision, and then your pro scouts, your amateur scouts are going to go out. Pro scouts maybe on the short term, the amateur scouts are on the longer term. Um, to build your team. Certainly uh, in Detroit, uh, in our heyday, you talked about we had great defensemen. You know, you, you, uh, now, to get those defensemen, for the most part, you've got to draft them and you've got to develop them. Uh, there are some good young defensemen in this, uh, in this organization coming, coming through the system. Obviously, uh, Bouchard, the 10th pick. Sam Rukov had a great year uh, um, as a third-round pick in Guelph, taking, leading them to the... Uh, uh, Memorial Cup and there's some other young defensemen so uh, we got to draft it we got to develop and then and, and then it, and as, as Dave and I work together on an everyday basis we talk about all that we talk about all that but certainly um, I'm with I'm with uh, I'm with Dave you got to have uh, the defense got to join the rush they got to uh, they got to get the puck moved up and you got to be moving in a four and five man attack um, we're, we're, we're together on that Derek, go ahead up front. Uh, Derek Van Deest, Edmonton Sun, Edmonton Journal. Ken, this is for you first off. Um, there's been a lot of coaches that have come through here in the last 10 years. How important was it to bring someone in that will provide stability to that position and, and is not going to be a one-and-done uh, one guy? And then Dave, you must know the record of coaches here. There's been a lot of smart coaches that have come through here and haven't been able to make it work. What's going to be different, do you think, with you behind the bench that maybe some of the other guys weren't able to achieve? Well, I think I, you know. I'd like to think that your question for me, I tried to answer it when I was when I was hired three weeks ago. I'm hoping to provide stability. Um, I think the best chance for success is in a stable environment, um, and I, I think we also we all understand the pressures to win in all 31 markets, and unfortunately, they haven't had uh, a lot of you know uh, haven't been in the playoffs much. Um, so it's our job to try to get the team, make it better, get into a playoff race. Our goal for 19-20, like I said before, is to find a way to be in the race, compete, and ultimately we hope we're one of the last 16 teams standing um, when the season is over. So stability, stability, a plan, um, and you gotta, you gotta, you gotta peck away. It's a move at a time, and um, I just think it's 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 having a plan and having a stable environment. And I'd like to think that uh, that between my hiring and the hiring today with Dave, that uh, I'm big on experience. I'm big, whether it's a player, whether it's a coach, Dave's got experience. You know, there's always rocky waters, just choppy waters. You, you got to be steady on the rudder. And I think that uh, um, now I hired a guy that had never coached before in the National Hockey League in Jeff Blaschel in Detroit. So I've gone that route too. I've gone both routes. I just thought coming here to Edmonton um, that it was important ultimately to have somebody that's been in the been behind a bench before and made decisions and sometimes you make decisions as a young manager and as a young coach and you say boy I don't know if I'd ever do that again we've both done that we've both done that we've both made decisions and we can reflect back on decisions that we've made um, that have worked out and that haven't worked out so I thought it was important to uh, to have somebody uh, behind the bench that, that that's been through the the, the the wars of the National Hockey League and uh, so st stability and experience yeah, I, I would just echo that. I've coached two teams, one for seven years and the other one for eight years. And uh, I'm big on, on stability. I'm big on relationships and communications. The, a coach should be, I mean, you've got to kind of set the, the, the plan in place for in your dressing room with your players. But 
ultimately there's a bigger goal that the coaches, trainers, management, you're all, it's a team that's trying to win. You're trying to win together. I try to create that atmosphere where everybody is accountable, but they're not accountable to me or to management. They're accountable to winning, to the, to the crest on your jersey. So uh, that stability, that just, uh, like Ken says, just, just, Steady as she goes, we'll get this going the right way, and I, I feel very confident that we can do that. Thank you. Uh, Dave Dustin Nielsen with TSN 1260. Ken talked about the, you know, the steps he went through talking to a bunch of people about you. Um, what about you on the other side of it? I'm sure you just don't sit there. Do you talk with people? Do you do some research into the organization? And, and what were they saying about this opportunity? Uh, yeah, I've talked to a lot of people and just... Uh, you know, it's it's been an interesting couple of years for me because it... Um, I took a year off just to kind of catch my breath and the Seattle thing came up and it was very intriguing, interesting, but you know, there was a couple opportunities that came up. The timing wasn't right for me to, to jump at, but this was a unique opportunity. And as I called around this, I mean, it's, it's a first class organization. You have passionate, passionate fans. I think there's a ton of upside on this, in this group here with Ken coming along to give it stability. That was a, a, a big check mark for me. So it, uh, there were just a lot of things that came together. And, and it's funny, like in the hockey world, this is still looked upon as a great place. You know, and, and sometimes you get in a certain place and you think, oh, it's just we haven't won in the last few years. But this is still looked upon as a very, very good franchise. And uh, that's the feedback I got. And when Ken reached out, it was, uh, you know, I looked at it hard and it was a great opportunity. And that's why I'm here. Thanks. Uh, Jack, go ahead over here. Dave, Jack Michaels, play-by-play uh, -play for the Oilers. Just to follow up on that last comment, because by all accounts in Seattle, you you basically had a chance to be the guy to your right, uh, to, be a, to be a Ken Holland and, and to, to build everything piece by piece. Does it then go back to the old, I'm a coach at heart? Is that no, part of why you're here? I, I was never going to Seattle to be a GM. Never. I, I, I never went to Seattle to be a GM or the coach. I was, uh, you know, funny, I've always been kind of a builder in my life. I've built homes. Back when I played for the Hartford Whalers, I had a, a construction company in the summer that I ran and built, buy, and renovate houses in Connecticut. I've gone into the last two lockouts. I decided to build motorcycles. I, so I, I went to Seattle as it was intriguing. I got to help with the design of the buildings, the practice rink, all the, all the team spaces in it. Uh, got to help design a hockey operations department so I was there like it was intriguing for me those things it was never intriguing I never went with the intention of becoming a GM I have no desire to be a GM uh, the coaching thing at first we talked about it and I like I said I didn't go to Seattle to coach but when it got moved back another got pushed back from 20 to 21 that really took that that would have been four years out so that's uh, and you know it's funny as I got away from the game uh, didn't skate much the first year I was out. Played a lot more golf than skated. Last year, with the with the employees in at Seattle, uh, started skating a little bit and started to watch the playoffs and and the stretch runs here. And you just get that itch back, like you just want to be in the action. So uh, I can't say enough good things about Seattle. That's going to be a phenomenal franchise with ownership, Todd Lewicki's leadership, and the people they've got there. It is going to be a it's going to be a, a home run 
franchise, but uh, I was I was blessed to be there and help out with some of the the early infrastructure. But ultimately, the coaching bug got me, and this opportunity was a great opportunity. Thank you, Daniel. Go ahead. Uh, Daniel Nugent Bowman, the Athletic. Uh, this is a question for for Ken. You mentioned that Dave was uh, was one of your leading candidates. Why was that name so prominent at the start of your search? And were there any reservations with him being out of coaching for a couple of years um, for him to ultimately take the job? Uh, why was he a leading? You asked me why was he my leading candidate. I would say to you, uh, experience the things that he's accomplished in his career in Dallas and in uh, and in Arizona. He also he played the game for uh, for for a lot of years. Uh, had a successful. Uh, um, record as a player and you know good checker and played hard come to rink every day and then uh, obviously uh, has been in the game a long long time um, was I worried that he was out of the out of the league for a couple of years no I, I wasn't worried that he was out of the league I think um, in talking to Dave he's obviously followed the league he's been involved obviously in Seattle for the last uh, year so he's he's been talking to people about uh, you know, general manager candidates and putting together a franchise. So he's obviously uh, followed the followed the game. Um, he's had a chance to get his batteries recharged, and I know he's excited to be back in the saddle. So I think, uh, for me, he was uh, a leading candidate because of his experience, because of what he's accomplished. Um, I talked to some former players that I know real well, uh, and some of them are uh, assistant coaches in the NHL today, and. Uh, um, around the National Hockey League. They talked about his structure. They talked about um, his, his ability to communicate. They talked about his uh, making players accountable. And those are all things that are very, very important to me as a general manager when I hire a coach. Thanks. We've got time for a couple more. We'll go John at the back there. Hey, Dave. John from Global. Ken just mentioned it again. Communication. How do you think you've evolved as a communicator with today's ever-changing athlete? I don't think I've evolved. I think I've always had it. That's always been part of who I am. I believe in, I think one thing that players would tell you about me is I'm very honest. I'm not, it's not a ruthless, ruthless honest. I'm just honest in my opinion. If a player is uh, not playing well, and I'll tell him he's not playing well. If he's playing well, I'll tell him he's playing well. There's a, there's a communication. I think it's, it goes beyond communication it goes to a relationship. You have a relationship with your with your players that you care about them, not just as players, but as as people, and uh, you build a team atmosphere accordingly, and the communication is easy, the easy part of it. Thanks. Jason? Dave, as a coach, you, know, you came in in the, in the early 2000s, and it's changed and evolved, specifically the uses of, of analytics. Uh, they're obviously a big part in today's game. They're a tool that can be used. Have you learned as a coach, is there some that you felt are, are more helpful from a coaching perspective? You know, when I retired in 94, I played for Philadelphia. I retired and I went to, I was a player assistant coach in Houston. I started doing analytics in 1995 and it was all off video and I have spreadsheets and spreadsheets from back in the mid 90s. So I've been doing it a lot longer than you guys have been talking about it. And I use it as a tool all the time. We'll use it in our preparation. We'll use it in our analysis after. I think it's a great tool. It's not the only tool, but it's a great tool. And uh, my video coaches, if you ever got any of their ears, you would see 
how much stuff comes out. And then I was working with a young guy named John Chaika, who was very much into it, and he had a lot of information. So I, the analytics part of it has been a part of who I am way before everybody. Uh, the one that I, I think the one you always go back to for me is scoring chances for and against. And it's not just, uh, there's, I have different rankings for scoring chances, how they happen, quality of them, and exactly who was involved in them, which is, you'd end up getting a real true plus minus. And I, I've collected this data for a long time, and it's, it's really interesting to see. Um, and I've made some decisions on them. I, I, there was a story I used to tell. We had a defenseman that was an old, your typical old defenseman, hard, hack, whack, and, and, you know, just the greatest defender ever. And then we had this other young kid who came out of college who was a light guy, great skater, moved the puck, but he didn't have the aura of a defensive defenseman, so he didn't play those situations. And as I started going through these stats, one guy defends... 75, 75% of the time, and the other guy defends 25% of the time. The guy who's defending 75% of the time, he's going to get kabong sooner or later, right? So there's a lot of things like that that I've gone through for years and years, and, and it helps him to try what we talked about earlier, maximizing what a player can do, maximizing their talents. And, uh, and numbers and, and stats sometimes can really lead you to some of those conclusions. Okay, last question here. Terry, go ahead. Dave, uh, you've, you've mentioned how you see a lot of upside in a lot of players here, uh, but there's a, obviously another half of this hockey club that uh, seriously underperformed last year. Uh, how do you view, say, your third and fourth lines as they sit now, and what confidence has Ken given you that uh, there'll be significant changes to... Uh, give you a better chance to win. Ken and I have talked about this and we, you know, I think we both understand there needs to be some added depth in there. Uh, I'm big on having players that really fit roles down there and we've talked about that, but I'll maybe let Ken talk about it a little more, but it's, uh, you know, we, we know that has, there has to be some scoring depth, there's some balance of, of scoring that if, if you look at the two fourth lines in the finals right now, they're both real good lines. They play against other teams' top players. They chip in goals when they're needed. And those are things that we'll strive for. Thank you. Uh, thanks, everybody, for your attendance today. We're going to get a quick photo op with uh, Ken and uh, Dave before we uh, head into one-on-ones. Uh, thanks again for tuning in. And All right, live on 6.30, Chad, Dave Tippett is the new head coach of the Edmonton Oilers. That was our news conference here from the Hall of Fame room at Rogers Place, uh, joined at the podium by GM and President of Hockey Operations, Ken Holland. Uh, a lot of things to hit on there. Bob Stoffer will uh, rejoin me in a few minutes, and we uh, will have uh, exclusive interviews here with both uh, Holland and tip it as we move along this morning and take you into the Oilers now time slot from noon to two. Very interesting to me. I'm sure this stuck out with a lot of people about the uh, usage of McDavid and Dreisaitl and uh, Tippett told a story about being on Todd McClellan's staff at the World Cup of Hockey a few years ago and that it ultimately turned out to be an, another very high-end player, Austin Matthews, who was the best fit for uh, for McDavid as a winger. Now Tippett said, hey, I, I, obviously I'm, I'm not adverse to, to breaking them up, but it, it, it sounded like if he had to coach a game tonight, he'd have Dreisaitl and McDavid on the same line. And he was had a very definite answer on analytics and how he's used analytics, as he said, before a lot of us as media and fans were even talking about it. He has 
been keeping spreadsheets spreadsheets on players since uh, since 1995 and told a specific story about a defenseman who would have been perceived as a rugged, hardcore, defensive-type defenseman and also having a player on the roster who wouldn't have fit that traditional mold, but it was the smaller, speedier guy who actually spent a lot Want to make a, a bet who the two defending. defensemen were? Do you want to bet? Make it. I'm not betting you, Bob, because I know if you want to bet me, you know you're going to win. Uh, I'm wondering if it's <laughs> Kale, Kale Hulse and David Tanabe, but we'll ask them. Uh, and I'm going to, you know, we're going to get Ken Holland first because they're scrumming Dave Tippett as we speak, and uh, and then we'll go from there. Are we going to hit the news here, or what are you going to do? We're uh, we'll be we'll have a news update at 11. We're just going to call a quick timeout right now, and then as Bob mentioned, Ken Holland and Dave Tippett will join us live here in the Hall of Fame room at Rogers Place. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.